What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Wisconsin Sportsman Podcast, which is brought to you by Tacticam. This is your home for all things outdoors in the Badger State, and I'm your host, Josh Raley. I'm sitting here recording this right now on August 28th uh, when I'm sitting here doing this intro. And man, we are just days away at this point from from the big kickoff, right? From the big uh, kickoff of deer season. And, uh, you know, I've been a guy that typically tries to make it happen on opening day, especially when I was in Wisconsin. Uh, temperatures were a little bit more friendly. Even if it was hot, it wasn't going to be, you know, 90 plus. Uh, but man, looking here in Georgia, it's going to be 90 degrees on opening day, which our opener is September 9th. So uh, I've got a, a hot persimmon tree that I am thinking about. Uh, well, I say it's hot. There's not a lot of deer sign around it necessarily, um, and it's starting to drop. So it could heat up here pretty quick. I've never seen a cluster of persimmon trees not turn really hot as soon as they start dropping. So I'm keeping my eye on it, but man, at the same time, it's going to be 90 something degrees that day. And I honestly just don't know if I can get super excited about getting out there when it's when it's 90 out. But what all of this does mean is that whitetail season is right around the corner and I am getting fired up. I hope you are too. I hope you, uh, you know, I've got one that you're chasing. Hopefully you've been able to find something either through scouting or with your trail cameras or, you know, whatever the case may be. For me, it's been a, a little bit of a different year. I've got a lot of irons in the fire with habitat consulting and working on my real estate license right now and kids with birthday parties and starting school in august here in georgia man it's been a a weird 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 summer but i do have high hopes that i'm going to be able to locate a buck i'm actually looking forward to being in wisconsin in uh, in mid october mid to early october let's say this year and i'll be getting some cameras out while i'm there I'll be doing, obviously, a bunch of on-the-ground scouting. I may be doing a little bit of hunting, but it's primarily a scouting mission to set me up for when I return November 1st through the 12th. So I'm going to be there for, you know, 12 days during the rut, and hopefully I can make something happen. But we've got an awesome episode for you today. I was able to catch up with Jake Merzberger. Now, if that last name sounds familiar, that's because his brother, Josh Merzberger, has been on the podcast before. He is actually the taxidermist who did my buck from 2022, and he's a, a turkey fan for me before. Guys, he does excellent, excellent work. But uh, Jake is his older brother. And Jake actually now lives in Minnesota, but he grew up in Wisconsin, in southern Wisconsin, hunting the same area that that I currently hunt. Uh, But Jake, over the last couple of years, has really gotten into travel hunting. Now, with his job, he has to do quite a bit of traveling, and that has allowed him to span, you know, three days here, five days here, hunting in a lot of different states. And so we cover, you know, not only what it looks like for him to kind of schedule those things out, what are some of his favorite states to visit, but we also talk about a stud of a whitetail that he was able to harvest last November in Nebraska. The deer is an absolutely beautiful 12-point buck. Uh, If you go to the website sportsmansempire.com or find us on Instagram, you can see a picture of that deer at the Wisconsin Sportsman, but an absolutely beautiful deer And we get into not only the hunt itself uh, for chasing down this buck, but some of the strategy that went into it, beginning with his uh, postseason scouting the year before, how that developed, got him to the piece of property where he eventually landed, and how he ended up shooting this buck in a a spot that maybe wasn't too far from what people would consider 
a high pressure area, right? Like this buck was not too far from the camp. Uh, but you know, Jake was able to find out what he was doing and capitalize on it. And luckily he got out there and, uh, and got it done. And there's a lot, honestly, that I learned from this episode, whether it comes to, you know, how do we think about and process our own pressure that we're putting on an area? Uh, how do we think about the way bucks move during the rut? Like whether we can pattern them during a specific portion of the rut, or if it's just, you know, everything blows wide open and who knows where in the world a deer could be. We talk about the use of trail cameras on public ground. We talk about sharing intel with other hunters. We talk about how to approach an out-of-state hunt and figure out, you know, exactly what you can expect and anticipate for the area. And we even talk a bit about calling on public land. You know, the big uh, advice today is either, you know, basically don't call on public land. Like if you're going to rattle at deer, they're probably not going to respond. If you're going to grunt at a buck, he's probably not going to respond because everybody out there is doing it. Well, this buck that Jake shot, he rattled and called that deer in. So uh, obviously there is some value to it and there's a right time and a right place and so yeah we talk about all that good stuff in this episode and you can actually go and watch this hunt so i would encourage you after you listen to this episode go watch the hunt on jake's youtube channel called stealth bow hunter i'll have a link to that down there in the show notes so if you're like oh man i can't remember what that was just look at the show notes i'll have a link there he not only has that deer hunt on there but he's got some turkey hunts on there as well so lots of great content coming from from Jake. So go check him out. Stealth Bowhunter on YouTube. Now I hope you enjoy the show. Get ready to share your hunt this season with the Tacticam Solo Extreme point of view camera. Featuring one touch operation, weatherproof housing, and mounts to fit any style of hunting, the Solo Extreme is sure to make filming your hunts foolproof and hassle free. The Solo Extreme features up to 8x zoom image stabilization technology that takes the shock out of the shot and lets you capture crystal clear wide quad HD 60 frame per second footage. And you get all of this in a compact camera that weighs under 13 ounces. From now until August 31st, you can get the Solo Extreme and a stabilizer mount for just $149.99. And of course you get free shipping with that. To learn more or pick up your Solo Extreme today, head over to Tacticam.com. Onyx Hunt is always striving to help make hunters more successful in the field each season. Onyx has just released a bunch of new features to help you on your next hunt. These features include new aerial imagery options like leaf off, recent imagery updated every two weeks with historic look back, and imagery on demand. On top of that, Onyx is reinventing the trail camera market by syncing your hunt app with multiple cell camera manufacturers and helping organize and analyze your photos right there in the app. You can try Onyx Hunt free for seven days or go to onyxmaps.com to learn more. Hunt in comfort this season with Camo from Huntworth. They make high-quality technical camo at a fraction of the price of other brands. My personal favorites for the early season include the Durham Lightweight Pants, which are rugged and durable with just the right amount of stretch where it counts, and the Shelton Midweight Quarter Zip Hoodie with built-in face mask. To make building out your kit simpler, their website now features their new system builder. This tool will help you grab the right camo no matter what season or species you're hunting at HuntworthGear.com. All right, on the line with me today, Mr. Jake Mersberger. Jake, man, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. I really appreciate you coming on. I've talked with your brother a number of times. He just happens to be uh, my taxidermist. So, you know, 
his phone call is the one of the ones I look forward to the most in, uh, you know, spring typically. But, uh, man, Jake, I'm, I'm glad you, you could come on. We're kind of doing a little bit of a, of, a, of a series here to get folks jacked up for, for deer season. And one of the things that we're covering is people's success stories. And uh, I posted on Instagram a while back and just said, hey, anybody got a good buck story that they want to come on and share? And your brother was just like, you got to you got to get in touch with Jake. Like I'll give you his number. You got to talk with him about a buck that he killed in Nebraska. So before we get too far down that road though, of this Nebraska buck and, and he's told me a little bit about some of the, you know, the quality of the deer that you've seen on this property and whatnot and the success that you've had. So I'm pumped to hear more, but first we got to know a little bit about who is Jake Merzberger. Awesome. Awesome. Well, you know, again, thanks for having me. So I've, uh, I've been bow hunting for 37 years um, in, in exclusive bow hunting. So I cut my teeth back in the day, and it's, it sounds funny. I'm sure my brother didn't share the story, but uh, I, I'm the oldest uh, of the family. So for us, it wasn't about racks. It was about feeding the family. And right. so my, my first deer interaction was 12 years old on the side of a highway with my dad to see if that deer was, uh, was still was – still, uh, able to be eaten. Right. So, wow. you know, and, and, and that was my first gut job as well. Um, so that, that's how I grew up. It was more of a, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to show you the ropes. If anything goes bad, if you're like, and my dad was a corporate, uh, worked at Oscar Myers and, and would get laid off. And so for him, it was, you know, how do you provide for the family? So wow. that, that's how I, yeah. So that's how I grew up. So, you know, back in that day, it was, uh, these, these, you know, 40 pound, biter stands and and uh, no range finders no trail cameras and it was just kind of like hey this is this is this is how we're doing it um so I, I really gotta you know give a shout out to my dad because he taught me as well and, and in, in the importance of why i'm saying this i don't shoot at a deer if it's an unethical shot right. he put that in my mind it has to be broadside it has to be relaxed and he, he put that ingrained it in my mind and i think that's helped me become a better hunter because you see a, a, a lot on these uh shows and that that they're taking front shots or just they're they're almost overexcited, right so they're trying to make it happen where i'm i'm a little more patient if it walks it walks that's how i was trained like if if it walks it walks you can you if you got on it once hopefully you can get on it again so yeah so i've been doing it for 37 years i got into filming uh probably right now i was like 24 years old and uh, my brother and I had some good luck. We did the Campbell Outdoor Challenge together uh, down in Illinois. Uh, we ended up winning first place, third place. Um, and then from there, I've been just kind of self-filming uh, since then. Um, and and I, I don't want to say I'm a wannabe, right? But I enjoy, <laughs> I, I enjoy filming my hunts. I enjoy seeing where I actually hit uh, and just being able to relive that with my family. Yeah, absolutely. And you've got a YouTube channel, right? I do, yeah. Stealth, stealth Bow Hunter. Uh, you know, so how do you, how do you, how do you relate to your, to your kids? Right. So my 14 year old loves, loves YouTube, wants to be a uh, celebrity influencer. And, uh, it was kind of his idea. It's like, dad, all you do is you film your hunts. Let's work together. And I'm like, absolutely. Let's, let's give it a try. And, and so he's my director. I've got a 14 year old. That's my director that, uh, is on me if I don't post shorts and, and, uh, good footage. 
Dude, he's, he probably does as good or better of a job than most of the people in the industry. So, <laughs> I mean, if, if we're just being honest there, I mean, if he's if if he's out there and watching it and consuming the content, he's he's probably able to make just as good of a call as a bunch of others. Yeah, absolutely. He's, he's extremely vocal. If I uh, if if I don't perform well, let's just say that. <laughs> Keeping you in line, man. That's awesome. Very good. So, uh, man, one of the cool things I just wanted to point out, like. So you've been doing this for a long time. I don't know how old you are, but you were certainly hunting the area uh, way before I came along. But interestingly enough, you and I have history hunting the same kind of uh, gem of an area. I mean, the whole area is pretty just just special. So I've talked about it on the on the show before without, you know, trying to spot burn or anything like that. But I am curious to hear about, you know, maybe one, your experience with that area. We won't say where, but your experience with the area and what are some of the things that you think maybe makes it what it is? No. Yeah. That's, that's a great uh, call out. I, I think the area that we're talking about uh, is, is unique, right? So you're looking at a uh, familiar, it's, it's marsh into some, uh, some Oak flats in that. But other than that, it's, it's predominantly a uh, sportsman's paradise. So what that means is you've got people that are, that are, walking on trails you've got you've got pheasant hunters you have bow hunters you have this mix of people that that uh it's extremely high pressure um and so back in the day when i haunted it it was uh hey you know i was, I was my dad used to say just fyi at any time someone with a dog can walk through right it's just FYI. It's, it's a major pheasant area and uh just know that but that being said it, it's a great area that holds a lot of good bucks um, it's high pressure. So I give anyone kudos that shoots a big deer or even gets a shot off in that area. <laughs> it, it is, it is a high pressure. Um, and anytime I, you know, my family talks about it, we usually talk about a great success story with, Oh, by the way, do you remember this guy that we bumped into? Um, right. that, you know, that's, that's the conversation, but, uh, I, I think it's a unique spot because of the marsh, uh, because of the, you know, the, what the DNR has done as well. Uh, for habitat, it, it is a, uh, it's a, it's a good spot, but that's all I'm going to say. I don't want to give your spot away. <laughs> no, that's, that's good, man. I, I w- I'm always curious to hear because, um, I've run into people who understand just how special it is. And then I've run into other people who just view it as kind of like any other area. I'm like, no, you don't understand. Like these bucks shouldn't be this many bucks of this caliber shouldn't be here because right. of how highly pressured this is and the quality of the land around it. It's not like it's, you know, got bum public land all over the place. I mean, there's high quality private ground around it. And that could be some of the, some of the power of that property too, is it does have some, some decent private pieces that kind of are mixed in there. But um, anyway, so tell me a little bit about how you went from hunting Southern Wisconsin. uh, You know, you kind of got into the filming thing a little bit. Now you're, you're hunting all over the place. It was forced, right? So, uh, so I, I, little history of myself. So I, I worked with, uh, you know, a, uh, major retailer for, for 11 years and I was a fix it guy. I consistently opened up new stores. Well, with that, I had to move, I moved nine times. So wow. for, for me to order to, to hunt, um, and I'm, I'm passionate. I'm a bow hunter. That's all I do is bow hunt. I, I don't, uh, I don't pick up the thunder stick. Uh, I'm not saying it's bad, but this, my passion is up close and, and, uh, shooting it with a bow. So for me, I looked at, Hey, how, how do I, how do I continue doing my passion while doing a good job at work and supporting the family? 
Uh, so it gave me access to Nebraska, Kansas, uh, Minnesota, and, and these areas where I had to adapt. And, and you know, I knocked on doors and I got the Heisman, you know, 95% of the time. So for me, it was, it was falling back into the public land, figuring it out, looking at it. at that time. It wasn't, we didn't have onyx, right? So you're, you're walking it and I'd walk it in, in the spring so I could blow it out and just make sure I know I had a good game plan. Uh, but I feel that's what made me a better hunter because I didn't have, I don't have the luxury of understanding the deer movement every year right so i didn't know so I'm, I'm popping in i'm a fresh guy it's new dirt for me i'm executing at a high level and and, and trying to review the land and then uh, trying to set up on the best possible you know scenario while making sure that i i keep my job which is, is the tough you know it's that's the it's the balancing <laughs> piece right you got to keep yeah. the, happy, the wife happy the family happy but yet fuel the fire of, of the passion. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. As you think about the different states you've had the opportunity to hunt, which is there one that has like risen to the top? For pressure or for, for like just the, this, the caliber of deer? Uh, you know what? Give me one that you say, I want to ask for three, right? Okay. And I'll give you three categories. One would be pressure. Like, is there a state that you're like, Holy smokes, the pressure there is so unreal, I don't enjoy it. Two, give me the quality of experience state. And then three, maybe give me the quality of deer. Okay, so the the, the most pressured one by far, and uh, there'll be folks that will, will challenge on me on this, but Minnesota whitewater public hunting ground is by far the most pressured. I've never seen so many squirrel hunters. I've never seen, so I've, I've adjusted my tactics with that. And guys will shoot some good bucks off that. But you look at the the encounters of the people. When I say, dude, I, I go in deep, I got I got guys hunting tree rats, like still finding me. And, and just, it's just, you're just like, how do I get away from these guys? Right. Yeah, so that was been my... I'd say my most pressured, you know, I, I changed my strategy up where I only hunt it actually after, uh, after the gun season and only on the coldest days on, uh, the, the, uh, bean fields and that, that are still up. And, and I've had some good success. I think, uh, that by far for me is, is, and I, and I put it this way, Nebraska, my last hunt last year, I, I ran into 16 out of staters. Wow. And I will still, still tell you Minnesota down there in whitewater is, is like the next level wow. of just because it's it's a great area. It's the bluffs. It's you know you got your rat guys are rabbit hunting, grouse hunting. You're just it's it's an amazing sports uh, area. Um, so I don't mind it. It just it's I've always had the worst luck there. Um, I think for a quality hunt and to get into uh, what I feel is like one of the best for just ground public land. I think Missouri. Uh, you know, I, I shot a, a good good buck last year in Missouri. It was my first time in there, and uh, I only ran into you know two guys, uh, and they're from New Orleans. And uh, it was a, it was a great experience, great hunt, and I had deer. I had you know anywhere from four to to seven deer every every, every hunt. Um, so that was wow. that was amazing. And then quality though, you got to give it to Kansas, man. It is it it's it was stupid. It yeah. was, it was stupid. What I saw from a caliber of deer. Um, I love the fact, you know, I, I talked to the uh, biologist there that was actually hunting the same land that I was hunting. 
just sharing what he does in order to make that habitat the best. And then also, you know, he had trail cameras up. So you're kind of like, you know, I, I'm pretty sure I saw like a 180. He's like, oh, yeah, you saw this one. It was like, <laughs> that's the, that's the yeah. conversation. Um, and I haven't been back there in, in a few years, but that was definitely would be like my, my highest. I mean, I had, I had two really, really good bucks, the 180. And I, I, I want to say the one that was traveling with him was 150. Screwed it up, trying to film, whole, 100% on me. Couldn't get it. Like, it was horrible. And then uh, 130 inch came down and, and, you know, I ended up shooting that one instead, but it was, it's, it was an amazing spot. And I, I truly love the fact of the habitat and what they're doing to it just to make sure it is, it is that, that piece where people are paying that money to come there. You can see the ROI on the, the land and what they're doing. So I, I, I really give the shout out to those guys and what they're doing. Right, right. Man, I, I felt some of the similar stuff in Iowa this past year. I went for turkeys. And, oh. you know, just to see what they're doing on some of that public land around where I was, I was like, man, this is this is dollars at work here to see what's planted on the public land, to see the, the roads that are maintained, the signage that's maintained. And, I mean, Wisconsin, I think, does an excellent job, too. Like, if you've been to a lot of states, Wisconsin is nowhere near the bottom of the list. Yeah when it comes to the work that the Wisconsin DNR is doing on some of these places. Um, but yeah, I, I saw that in Iowa. I want to touch on a point that you just brought up though. You talk to the local biologist. If a guy is going out of state, I don't think you can stress that point enough. Talk to yeah. a local biologist or a local game warden, a local conservation officer, whatever they call them where you're at. Um, man, when I, when I went to Iowa, I, I ran into a, um, into a game warden. He had kind of, boogered up my hunt on accident and you know we talked about it a little bit and then he's like tell you what man i'm gonna send you here and i'll tell you where to go this is my favorite spot to hunt turkeys ever so go back there and get one um i didn't get one back there but just such a such a cool thing like they're willing to share their knowledge like they want people to have a quality experience and it's almost like especially if you're from out of state they're like we you know we know you've got limited time like let's point you in at least a decent direction or give you some information that's actionable and useful. Not to say they're going to say, Hey, hang in that tree right there. And you're going to shoot a 180, but they can say, you know, here's what you can expect. These are some places that maybe don't get as much pressure. So if you want to get away from people head over there, you can maybe have the place to yourself kind of thing. Um, so let's shift now and talk a little bit about this uh, experience that you had in Nebraska. I want to hear about the buck. First of all, um, that you ended up taking. Yeah. So the, the buck, so going back, I've, I hunted Nebraska, the same area the year before, and, uh, I had some amazing experience, but I did have a couple of hunters bugger my area pretty bad to the point where, you know, it was, it was right there. I had them, but then here comes somebody during prime time walking with a crossbow and I'm like, Oh my God, this, this uh, is, uh, this is not happening. So right. can I, uh, can so I, I stop you there real quick? Yeah. Did you hang, was that the year that you hung some cameras and got some really good intel that first year you were out there? I did not hang did cameras. Not. No. I, okay. I, All I, right. I went in. I, so my strategy was I was, there was uh, three or four areas I wanted to hit. So I went in there. I, I was just doing observation. It was kind of a soft hunt, right? So I wasn't, I, I wasn't sure on the area, but driving into the area, I, I had to stop. I, there was this, this great buck with a, with a doe in the middle of this field. So I was watching this one. I'm saying, Hey, 
he's only a half mile away from this public land. So I'm going to go check that out. So I was kind of more scouting still. And I went in and uh, I had, I was, again, this is, this is horrible to say, but when, when you're, when you're doing sales, dealers ask and dealers email and dealers text you and you got to respond. So right. I'm on my phone responding to a dealer and I look up and there's, there's a shooter sitting there. Uh. It's just like, Oh, I can't get the camera on them. And I'm like, damn it, damn it, damn it. Uh, so that was the, the year prior. Um, so I said to myself, Hey, here's the deal. I, I need to really focus in. That was, it was a really good deer. Um, and I said, I got to focus in on this area. So I went to spring. And I, I shed hunted and I just did a, a real in-depth uh, focus on the area and was looking for scrapes, rubs, and kind of pinch points and so on using Onyx and said to myself, hey, I think I can shoot a really good one. And there's a couple spots. So here's the fun part. So, so Josh, I was, I was scouting during turkey season. Right. And so I was running into hunters doing turkey at the campsite, and I was not – like in their area, but I ran into the, uh, the two local sheriffs and the sheriffs were very, very open on what they see, what they hunt, big time saddle hunters, my type of wow. guys. Um, and they started showing me, showing me picks and I'm like, all right, game on. Now I got to <laughs> Now I got to double, I'm doubling in on my chips here. I'm like, okay, I, I, I got this. So, yeah. So, so I, you know, I went in and, uh, you know, truth be told, I, I brought a buddy and my goal was trying to get my buddy a, a good buck at the end of the day. Like it was, it was his focus. Um, he's, he's, uh, he works retail. He's a VP of a, of a major, uh, uh, farm and ranch. And I was like, Hey, he's, he hasn't shot a good buck on public land. That's my focus. So I did like f- double, double areas on, Hey, if he's going to sit here, this is where I'll sit and so on. Um, so I got in early, I put out, absurd amount of cameras on public land. And, and I, and I just, from there I went and, and I've got, uh, I've kind of got a rhythm. So I put them out. I'm looking for something now. I'm not looking for, if it's at night, that's great. I want them now. So if he's at night, where's he going? Where's he coming from? Is it food sources? Is he going to bedding? Why is he traveling at this time? Uh, so, and that's how I found uh, what I call the Husker 12. He was a 12 pointer. Uh, and, uh, I found him and he was by far the biggest buck I saw. There was another good one, uh, but he was, uh, he was broken up pretty, pretty good. The one that was broken up was actually on uh, daylight and I had him coming in at 10 AM. Oh. Like in the, yeah, dude, it was right behind. This is going to, it's crazy. He was right behind a, uh, uh, a restroom for, for the campground. No so, kidding. Yeah. No was, kidding. And I ordered to the sheriff's. Cause the sheriffs are like, dude, right behind this campground is one of the best spots. And I'm like, seriously? And they're like, yeah. So I was like, I'll take a look at it. And I just told them, Hey, you care if I just go back there and look? And they're like, Oh, go for it, man. Like we're, they're, they're like saddle. They're amazing guys. They're like, we're saddle guys. We, we love, love bow hunting. And uh, yeah, if you can, if you can find something, go for it. Yeah, man. So I, I want to touch on that just a little bit deer that are, you know, close to the bathrooms, let's say, um, mm-hmm. One of the things that it seems the more I get to hunt new places, the more I get to travel around. I do a little bit of uh, property consulting as well. When I go to individuals' property, what seems to be this recurring theme is deer that I don't want to say that they're keeping tabs on the the people in the area because I don't. I'm not in a deer's mind, and I can't explain exactly what it, why they're there. 
but man, they sure seem to be sticking close to people. Um, at enough of a like distance or at enough of a, they're staying safe, but at the same time, it's almost like they want to keep tabs on people. Are you seeing that kind of in your travels generally? Yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting you say that because you've, you've got this, there's a stop process. You got to go a mile, mile plus in, you got to, you know, get away, get away, get away. Um, and, and some of the best deer encounters that I've had or, or, or deer that I've, I've killed have been, have been close to the parking lots or close to an area where you're just like, it really doesn't make sense. Um, so whether they're keeping track of us or just understand the rhythm of, of that pressure, right. uh, you will, it, it, I think there's something to be said there, but, uh, like the, the restroom perspective was, it was a restroom and then like 90 yards in deeper was three major scrapes in a great spot. And, and, you know, I put a camera up there. I think I got five different bucks in just in daylight. Hmm. And then, yeah. And I had does hitting, hitting the scrape at night and uh, you know, and, and, and everyone's got their opinion on trail cameras, but I, you know, my opinion is this, you're going to be away from your family. You're spending the money, do whatever you can to, to optimize and, and execute properly. Right? right. So that that's where, that's where my head's at. I know some guys are like, I never use trail cameras. So on get it. I started 37 years ago where there was no trail cameras. I, I, I do prefer a little bit of intel just to know if I, am I in the right area or not, right? Just want to take a quick minute to let you know that the Wisconsin Sportsman Podcast is brought to you by Tacticam, makers of the best point-of-view cameras on the market for hunters and anglers. They're on the cutting edge making user-friendly cameras to help the everyday outdoorsman share your hunt with friends and loved ones. Their new 6.0 camera has a ton of upgraded features this year, but the one I'm most excited about is the new LCD touchscreen. In my mind, that is a total game changer. And one area Tacticam really shines is with their mounts and adapters that are made with a sportsman in mind. If you've tried to film your hunting and fishing excursions, you know just how frustrating it can be to try to get an action camera aimed just right or get it attached to your weapon or in a good spot for a second angle. Well, Tacticam makes all of that a breeze with their line of mounts and adapters. This fall, I'm going to be using their stabilizer mount on my bow with the 6.0 camera and their bendy clamp paired with the 5.0 wide camera for a second angle and to make sure I don't miss any of the action. To learn more and check out their full line of products, head over to their website, Tacticam.com, and share your hunt with Tacticam. Right, well, and I hunt different. Like, mm. I just hunt different when I've got decent intel on an area. Uh, right. If I have confidence and maybe this is an issue where I just need to work through and, you know, if I ever want to really up my game, I'll, I'll, you know, work on building that confidence without trail cameras. But if I've got confidence that there's a buck that I want to kill in an area, I approach that area totally different when I get some confirmation. Every step that I take into the timber is more calculated. Every hunt is more careful and cautious. When I'm on stand, I'm more attentive. I'm less likely to be on my phone, you know, texting people or whatever. Like, I just, I don't know. It hones me in a lot better. It's not necessarily like the deer I killed this past year on public. I didn't have a picture of him in this specific spot. I wasn't hunting near one of my cameras, but I was hunting near enough that I knew he was in the area, and it allowed me to put the pieces of the puzzle together and say, ah, I've got him over here, and I've got him over here. I bet this is the spot in the middle um, where I think he's going to show up. Um, I'm curious when you're running these cameras, you mentioned – you know, you're, you're getting those pictures and you're thinking, okay, why is he here? Why is he traveling through this? How much of that have you already worked out before you place the camera there? Like how much of the, the pieces of the puzzle of bedding and food and all of that 
are you really piecing together before you get the pictures or are you waiting to get the pictures because you've just set cameras in good spots and then you kind of start to reverse engineer from there? Yeah, so, so no, great question. So in some some aspects, I'm eliminating spots, right? So it's a pinch point. It's it's something where, hey, I can, I can get whatever's here come through this area and I can immediately eliminate it if there's nothing to, to, to what I, to what I want to, uh, to try to go after. Um, the other piece of it though, I, I, I'm big on scrapes and I run, I run, I'd say 90% of mine on scrapes and guys, you know, there's that, there's that piece where, yeah, that great bucks come to scrapes in the beginning, but then they'll leave them. That's true. That being said, some of these scrapes, a lot of times, the does will be there, right? So if there's a reason why there's a scrape there and it's a bigger scrape, there mean to me it's high traffic. It's a high traffic area. So I'm already looking at, hey, what possible, you know, deer, box, whatever is in this area? And I'm just simply looking to eliminate it. That's my thought process. Are they here or are they not? I got five days to make this happen. I am I am executing at a high level. So for me, I'm I'm checking my cameras, I put them out. At noon, I'm checking them and I'm pulling and I'm going to elsewhere. And it's it's a very aggressive, very aggressive situation. If I find them during daylight, then I typically check them at night to say, hey, all right. So just so I don't cross paths with these guys. Um, and it's it's uh, it kind of it's not a. I mean, my buddy was like, dude, we're supposed to be on vacation. You're you're this is crazy. Like we're we're 24 seven here. But that that's the execution that you need. I feel. Uh, to, to be successful and, and, and capitalize. I mean, that's, that's how I do it. Um, right. I think for me, it's, it's, I eliminate areas with the, with the camera and then look for, for the big ones. And I, and you know, I found him, he was the biggest by far in that area. Um, and, and based off the feedback that I get from guys that have hunted that area, it's probably one of the biggest ones they, you know, they've seen in a, in a while in that area. Right. Right. What's a, just give me a, 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 a ballpark number, you know, when it comes to score, just so folks kind of have a picture in their head of what you're talking about. Yeah. So, so I'm not a big score guy. Okay. I don't score. My, my brother does the scoring. Right. He does it. I, I think it went 148 or something like that. Okay. Yeah. Uh, it was a 12 pointer. Uh, he was, he was good. Uh, and, and, and that was, that was it. Right. So it was, it was the, the biggest deer both times, Missouri and in Nebraska, those are the two biggest deers that I've seen that I shot. Right. So we're talking an area, or we're talking a deer that that anybody's going to be happy with, pretty much anywhere oh. in the country. We're not, you know, we're we're, uh, we're we're up in that kind of ballpark beyond what somebody might say. Man, he needs another year. Man, <laughs> yeah, you run into sixteen hunters from out of state. You're you're. You're you're uh, pretty excited to shoot a <laughs> anything right. 145 and above. <laughs> right, right, absolutely, man. I I uh, I shared with you a little bit about the buck I killed this last year, and yeah. I was in the parking lot, and we got him loaded up in the truck, and uh, a guy stops by who also hunts that area, and you could see the rack sticking up above the tailgate of the truck, you know, and he's like, "Oh, you mind if I take a look at your deer?" And I was like, "Yeah, no problem," because I'd I'd met the guy before, and we had talked a couple of times, and um. He saw the deer and he says, oh, man, uh, kind of funny seeing that deer dead. I was like, what do, you, what do you mean? He's like, I got a bunch of pictures of him. I was like, oh, did you? He's like, yeah, I wasn't hunting him. So it was like almost some like buck shaming on, uh, on public land going on. I'm like, dude, it, the day that a deer of this caliber doesn't get me jacked enough to shoot it, 
I might as well go fishing. Like, I'm going to go do something. When a four and a half year old buck doesn't make me excited anymore, you probably just need to hang it up. Right. Right. And then, and yeah, I totally agree with that. So again, 16 guys, right? Like it was, it was incredible how much hunter pressure was there. And when I was back, I was packing him out. I had some, cause it, I, I shot him the, uh, the morning before the gun owner gun opener for the next day. And I had some guys that were doing scouting and they were like, Oh my God, that is an amazing buck. Like, congratulations. You know, right, I was like, Hey, right. well, thank you. But that's how it should be. I mean, we are, we are truly our worst enemies. When we, when we really need to embrace each other and, and celebrate, you know, regardless of whatever we shoot. Like I've, I've seen a guy I walked up on, he shot a six pointer on public land in Nebraska. And I'm like giving him high fives. You need help dragging it out. Right. Let's, Absolutely. let's, yeah, it's, it's still to, to the, to the hunter, whatever they choose to go after and whatever they feel to, to shoot the arrow. If it's ethical shot, I am, hundred percent on board and congratulate them and, and we'll do whatever I can. I mean, and, and what's the funny part is Josh, I, I'm a big helper. I love to help. So I always talk to these guys, even the 16 guys, I was telling them, Hey, here's what I've seen. Here's where I go. And they're kind of looking at me like, who's this guy's crazy. Like he's filming himself. He's on a knee bike. He's doing all this <laughs> stuff. <laughs> and I'm just like, all right, yeah, I'm just, I'm just here to help. I'm just, you know, I, cause for me, it's it's all about these guys are taken away from their family, away from their jobs. You know, let, let's help each other in order for them to be successful as well. Right, man. A, a constant theme uh, when I'm talking with folks like you is is I I try to emphasize like when and and hopefully people will you know take heart when they hear this message. I'm always trying to like if somebody's willing to come and talk with me, if I run into guys on public land and they're real, willing to stop and chat and like we can share a little bit of information and I can tell that the sharing is, is mutual, right? Like I would rather like, let's have a conversation. Let's talk about what we're seeing because I would rather both of us or one of us walk away with a deer than neither of us walk away with a deer. You know, I'm not going to try to hold everything so closely to myself. And then, you know, we all end up miserable because we're just stomping all over each other and, and nobody's having any success when you can, you know, share a little bit of information and next thing you know somebody's finding success or maybe more of us are finding success than than would have otherwise right uh when it comes to these cameras i want to i want to get a little bit of your your strategy when it comes to these trail cameras a a little bit you said an obscene number of cameras so what are what are we talking maybe maybe number of cameras and like concentration yeah so you know looking at I, i i blitz it right so i i'll have i think it was uh 13 total uh, but they're not cell cameras. Right. I, I gotta go in and I'm, and I'm again, I'm filming. So I'm, I'm, I have them on video. Uh, all of my, all of mine are on video. So I will take spots where I'm like, this spot should be good based off the sign that I've seen in the spring based off now the sign that I'm seeing now. And I'll put two or three up to try to gauge it. But I only put, I only leave them up for, for 24 hours. Right. Like I'm literally checking them quickly. Um, if, if it's nothing there and how I check them like during midday, I carry a stand, sticks on mine, and if there's something pops and looks good, I'm up in the tree and I'm going to execute. Uh, you know, for the for the buck that I shot, uh, I worked him. I want to say 500 yards. So I had his I had his scrapes. He was he was kind of unique. He 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 always would rub these bigger trees in the area, and then he'd always make these bigger scrapes. And I had him on six of my cameras, walking towards private. And wow. I, yeah, so I went around 
Um, and it's in my video. I went around and I spent probably three hours trying to find him. And, and I ended up going back to where I put my buddy originally. He was 80 yards from where I shot the buck and his hunt was spoiled by two different hunters that came through. Uh, and you know, I found again, big, two big rubs, two big scrapes, put it up. And I was like, I'm just going to hunt this. And, and meanwhile, there's this big food plot that I hunt and I don't ever put a camera up there, but I've always hunted it. And it's kind of my like, Hey, just something could happen here. And I, I love decoy. So I put the decoy out. I'm rattling. I'm always aggressive out there. I had a guy pull up and watch my decoy set for probably 20 minutes. And, and it was like, <laughs> oh, and I'm, man. I'm like, and I'm like, you know what though? But the mindset you gotta be, you have to have a good mindset the entire time, right? It's public land. Right. Everyone can walk around and it's not your land. So, you know, talking to other guys that I hunt with, they're like, I'd be so pissed off. I'd have screamed at him. Like, what is that going to do? Right. He's there. He's, he's got his own thing. Uh, he was scouting for, for probably gun. Uh, and, and it went, you know, I didn't see anything that was fine. But then, then the next morning I ended up having my encounter with the, with the, the 12 that I ended up shooting, uh, which I feel is because I, I backed 500 yards, followed, 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 and just logically said, Hey, he's not going up this steep cliff here. He can't, he has to go back around and he's just wrapping. So I'm catching him and I was taking him from his time. He was two in the morning, three in the morning, four in the morning. Wow. This side, he has to be in this area. Yeah. Uh, and, and the unique thing with, and it was either, I would say unique or funny. I put my cameras out in that area the first day. I didn't get a glimpse of him. I got one guy walking by and I pulled him oh. and I said, yeah, but I just kept on going back and told my buddy, I'm like, dude, when I scouted in the spring, this place was hot. Like it was, you know, it was February, March, it just good, good scrapes, just, good sign. And I was like, there's gotta be something here. So I went back in and ended up shooting them. Yeah. What's the distance that you're putting, um, between your cameras. And I asked that something that I've started doing in the last couple of years, areas that I have some history with, and I know are like historically good. I've gotten to where I'll put several cameras, not real far from each other because I'm trying to get a fresh idea of, okay, this year, how are they traveling through here? Like, I know they're going to be in here, but with bow game, with bow hunting, it's a game of inches, right? It, you know, that, that 10 yards is the difference of me getting them or not. Or if you're being really aggressive, you know, them hitting this scrape before they hit this other scrape is the difference between me being winded or not, right? And, and being able to make an effective hunt. So how much distance are you putting between these cameras? I, I think it's, it's all relevant of the area, right? So, okay. so that hunt, um, like I said, I was like 13. It was absurd amount of cameras that I used. But it was, I would say, every 40 yards I had them to eliminate what, what areas. Because the unique part was this. I sat originally on this, this car hood of a scrape, and it was phenomenal. It was a major. He wasn't there, though. Mm. He wasn't on that one. He cut two more trails down and was going on this other trail. And the only reason why I found that out is because I had, I had a camera on that trail and I had a camera on another trail. And then the original trail that I had him on, which was a very 
Like if you looked at it, you'd be like, dude, he ain't here. It was a very soft like trail. It wasn't, it wasn't that, uh, that highway that hunters will typically say, Oh, this is it. This is it. I had a camera on the highway with the, the major scrape and I had some bucks, but it wasn't the one I was after. And so I, I just kept on going and, and I walked. And, and so when I hunted at night, like I, I would walk and check my cameras as well. Um, and that, that last, that last, the night before I shot him, I caught him on the very, very last one, uh, right before he was going into, uh, private, basically he was doing a loop coming around. Wow. Basically searching for does. Right. So it was bizarre because it was, uh, November 13th or something or yeah, November 10th or whatever it was. And there's, he was, they were still searching. Every buck was searching for does during that, that time. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. When it comes to your hunt there in Nebraska, how many days did you did you have, or did you hunt this property on multiple different occasions? No, just just the one. Just it the was one just time. A, yeah. So it was basically uh, it was a week, and and keep in mind. So when I when I got there, I got there early, set my cameras out. My main focus was to get my my buddy a, a buck. Uh, he had to leave because of work, and it was like all right, game time for me. And then I got even a little bit more aggressive. And, and I think it was a mixture of, you know, good, good scouting, but the temps also helped. The temps kept on plummeting and plummeting and plummeting. Uh, and I, when I shot him, it was minus five. Wow. Okay. So it got real cold. Yeah. Real cold ready, for November. I wasn't ready for it. It was, uh, it was a miserable hunt. It right. truly was. I was, I was on stand. I think I first saw him at 10 o'clock. And I was in, in the stand there for the morning, and and uh, it was it was the coldest I've been in a long time. And I'm from Minnesota, so yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I was I was not expecting a Nebraska hunt, and, and uh, learned a lot about making sure you bring your, your right layers. Yeah, absolutely. I remember what I was going to ask you now. What's your thought press with, process when it comes to the pressure that you're putting on an area? You know, I'm just thinking about your really aggressive hunting. You're really aggressive with the trail cameras. You're setting them up on scrapes. So, I mean, you're in, like, high odds area that something is going to smell where you stood and smell your hands on that camera. Are you doing anything to try to mitigate that? Or, you know, how are you thinking about what you're doing? Because I know younger Josh would have – I would have put those trail cameras out and assumed that there was not going to be a deer in that area for the next 10 days because of my scent. I've changed a little bit on that, but I'm curious your thoughts. Yeah. So a couple of different things. So I, I always chuckle when I see guys put trail cameras out without, without any gloves. Right. So first of all, I wear gloves. I've got scent killer. I'm wearing my boots. I don't ever walk on their trail. So if I see the scrape, I'm like the pictures that I even have in the videos, I'm off that scrape. I'm off that trail to where they would have to really go out of their way to see my camera. Right. And, and to me, and always, if a deer's looking at your camera, you failed. Right. That's my thought process. So for me, I always make sure I'm hiding that camera. I'm, I've got my gloves on. I'm spraying down. I'm off that trail. And, and I've always done that. I never walk on, on the game trail. I'm always at least, you know, like four or five feet off it. I can walk. I, I don't need to be on it. Like I see it, right? Why, why be on it? Why even jeopardize that? Um, and so I will always put my cameras and then obviously I'm public, you know, I, I was doing this for years. I, I put them up higher and I kind of push them down 
just to uh, deter any theft as well. But that's that's my secret sauce. But if you're if you have your gloves, if you don't have your gloves, you're putting it up. You're on their trail. Well, again, I, I think it defeats the purpose of of again. You're you're in their backyard. They understand their their uh, their area, and you just got to be heightened on the sense of what they might smell, what they might see. So that's where I'm. And, and, and on one occasion on this past hunt, I did have one box literally pick out my camera and looked up and I was like that, you know, I think to me, he was done. Right. He ain't going to come back. I, I was, I was even thought myself, I, I lost that one and, and shame on me. I didn't, I didn't cover it up or I didn't do something right. So that's, um, as again, as we hunt, we're out there. We're always learning as well, right? We're, we're always trying to improve our uh, our skill set. Right, right. So let's talk then about this uh, about this specific buck. Like when you found him uh, while you were hunting. Like how quickly into the hunt were you able to, you know, get a beat on this specific deer? It was actually four days in. Four days so, in. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So four days in, I was I was hunting the what I call the 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 car hood scrape. And, uh, you know, I had, I had a smaller buck come through some does, a buck was chasing and it was right on this Crick line. And then on the other side was, uh, was this area that nobody went in. It was, it was kind of far back in. Um, and he came, he came through at night. And as soon as I got him, I shifted all my energy to that buck. So he didn't come to that hood scrape. He was literally on the one scrape. So then I took my cameras and I put where I thought he would go right down the line. And I picked him up on three different cameras and said, all right, now I'm on game. At least I know where he's going. I got a good opportunity uh, possibly to at least see him in daylight. That was my goal, just to see him in daylight, let, let it go from there. Um, and then like two days later, or day, yeah, it was a day and a half later, I shot him. Okay. All right. How quickly did that, did his like movement, and like your understanding of, of what he was doing kind of all fall in place for you. Because, you know, as I'm thinking through deer from the past, I feel like there have been times where it's been really hard. It's like, where is he going? What is he doing? And it, you know, it's very terrain dependent a lot of times. And just, there's a lot that can go into that. How quickly were you really confident that you had this deer kind of dialed? Almost right away. Okay. Because I was, I was this crick. Like if you saw the layout, you'd be like, dude, this is like perfect. Cause it was a, it was, if he would have, if he would have went, he was going left to right. If he was going right to left, I, I would have been lost. But since he was going the route that I wanted him to go between where the Crick was and these high bluffs, like he was, he was basically, it was, it was a pinch point in a funnel. He uh-huh. had to go this way. Um, where, where I thought I might've lost them was there was a, a really good trail that went towards the Crick on the other side into this Island. Um, but I had two cameras on there because there's a ton of tracks and some big tracks to eliminate that. So once I knew where he was going, I stayed on him. And then, you know, in, in my video, you'll see me walk and try to find him. And, and it was to the point where I was on, I was on that last, that last night. And then the morning after I, sh- when I shot him, I was still trying to put the pieces together. I was confident that I was getting close, but then that morning uh, he showed up at, uh, I want to say 10 o'clock, whenever it was. And uh, it was, uh, it was 
awesome to see him. And unfortunately, he was uh, he came in the only spot that I had. I didn't have a shooting lane, so I, I, I watched wow. him walk, and uh, I was devastated. <laughs> I yeah. Was, so walk me through that hunt then. So had you yeah. seen good action before 10 a.m. or was it just kind of a dead morning until then? Uh, so it was a dead. Well, it was interesting. So I got in. I got in early. Um, it was super cold, and I'm trying to stay focused. And it was for me. It was. I just want to make it another 10 minutes. I want to make it another 10 minutes. And uh, I didn't see anything. And I said to myself, I, I think I'm in the right area. And I heard a twig snap, and I look. And there he is. So he's got two options. He can come right to the scrape that I'm at, or he can go out to the trail um, that I basically came off of. I, I was down the, I was like two or three feet from it. But getting into there, Josh, I a lot of times when I go into my stand, the last 30 yards, I'll brush, I'll kick all the brush away. So I'm supersonic going in, right? That's that's my thought process. He got on the the trail, which wasn't his trail where I walked in on where it was just dirt. Mm. And I was like, unbelievable. This is nuts. But, but backing up, I checked the camera that I had on that scrape that I was sitting and there was a doe that hit it at night. So, ah, I still, okay. so, so now I'm, I'm thinking myself, now I'm kind of in the game. She's, she hit it. Like she must be getting close. This is good, good opportunity. And so he came out, that the 12 pointer came out and it was like that, that, uh, that situation where you're like, could I squeeze one in? Yeah, I could squeeze it in, but not, not on that caliber of buck. And mm-hmm. I, I watched him walk away and I was just devastated. He got to the field. I did a snort and wheeze, try to bring him back. He didn't want it. He just kept going. Uh, and then uh, I want to say I, I waited 20 minutes and I did a rattling sequence and he literally went around me and looped. And the wind, he was coming on the trail day. Who would have wind me within another five yards? But he, I had him. I had him. I was throwing up the wind indicator, the milkweed, and 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 I was watching him come in. And, and he uh, he two more, three more steps. I would have been dead to rights. He would have, he would have bolted. But I, I got, shot him before he got my wind. Man, so you rattled that buck in. That's awesome. Yeah. Let's, yeah, I was let's, doing anything and everything, Josh, to get that, that bugger back. Right, right, right. Man, I, yeah. I want to touch on that just a little bit because I think that's really important. You're on highly pressured public land. There are a lot of guys there. You're not incredibly yeah. far from other people where you no. are. Um, and you call on highly pressured public land. Everything in the hunting media says deer on highly pressured public land don't respond to calling very well. Well, the, the evening I killed my buck last year, I'm sitting in my stand, and I hear a guy just get after it. And it's like 20 minutes before dark, right? And I'm thinking to myself, at, first of all, I'm thinking to myself, he's right where I hunted two days ago. Like, so I know, I know exactly where this dude is at, and he's in a real good spot. I had gotten winded by another buck there. And so I'm like, man, somebody's sitting up there. That's disappointing because I had sat all day and hadn't seen anything like I well I saw some bucks that morning cruising through but had seen nothing throughout the midday and it's almost dark and I'm like man it's almost over he starts rattling I'm like oh my gosh dude can you not just let the sun go down and just like let me enjoy a quiet evening and lick my wounds and then I hear his bow go off like five minutes later and I'm like no kidding so I catch up with him he shot the buck that winded me two days before or three days before whatever it was so um 
it worked on highly pressured public land. Then I hear this story for you. It worked on highly pressured public land. What's going into that and your thought process with calling? Because it's not supposed to work. It's, well, yeah, they say that, but I've, I mean, all my years on public land, I've, I've never deferred to not calling. Like I'm, I'm very aggressive on the rattling. I'm very aggressive on snort wheeze. Um, I mean, it's, it's one of those things where it's, it's like turkey hunt, right? Either they're in the mood or they're not. Right. right? Take a chance. So, and that, and that was my thought process, but Josh, at that time I was looking for, for anything to throw at him. I, I was so, I was so devastated, so down and out. I couldn't believe that I just let him walk. And, and I was like, man, I might've been able to sniff, like put one. Out. I was like, no, you did the right thing. Let him walk. Um, and, and he came in, he came in very, very aggressive. Uh, he was bristled up. Like he was, he was like ready to, to tear something up. And, and I was just, I would think I was, again, you look at the equation, you don't know, unless you do it right in some cases you 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 might have a situation where you shouldn't have rattled you should have snorted wheezed but how do you how do you know how do you know what mood they're in unless you try it and and i've had those situations where i've i've called and you just watch them literally do the tail flicker and off they go uh, but i'm still gonna call i'm still gonna try it and i think for him he was uh I, I think he was prime. And, and then that being said, Josh, I had from bucks to dough ratio on what I had on camera, I had more bucks to dough. Right. So that was my other thought process. Right. So I, I thought, Hey, this is, this is kind of a, a situation where uh, these bucks are going to be cruising, right? It's going to be an intense rut. My thought process was I only had the three, three does and, and I had eight different bucks in that area that, that were really, uh, you know, being mobile and, and, and kind of working the scrape. So I was like, Hey, let's, let's try it. And it was more, I think it was like 20 minutes or whatever it was, you know, he came in directly behind me. Right. And, and you had the one doe hitting that, hitting Crap. that scrape earlier that day. So all the more realistic that there would be some competition going on yes, you know, correct. now, all of a sudden, um, as opposed to, and you're not, you're not just blind rattling at that point either. You're not just popping through and trying to trying to blind rattle something up. Not that it, not that that can't work. Just saying that wasn't your situation. Um, I want to hear your thoughts on, well, first of all, let's talk about the shot. And then I want to, I want to come back to, to a question about, uh, you know, bucks and kind of how they cruise their turf during, mm -hmm. during the rut. Um, so you make the shot. He was close. Did you drill him? Yeah, I, I drilled him. He, he probably dropped within 40 yards. Um, I, he was on, so here's how it happened. So I thought I had my main camera on him and then I was like, Whoa, he's coming. He's going to get my wind. So I relied on my, my secondary camera and I, I pulled back and he was basically coming on the trail. I, he runs underneath me and he, he basically uh, expired behind, um, in insight. And it was a great shot. Uh, I was super proud of it. Uh, you know, that's the respect for the buck like that as a caliber. You survive on public land for that long, right? We, we, we want to do everything we can to uh, make sure it's a humane shot, and, 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 I, and I executed properly. Um, and then after that, I, I, uh, I kind of lost it because I was super excited because I just <laughs> – he walked out of my life, Josh. Right. He was out of my life. I'm, I'm literally down and out, almost ready to cry. I'm freezing going, what am I doing? This is, this is not good. And then, uh, it just all happened. And I was, I was, uh, fortunate for sure, man. How, so when he had kind of walked off, 
had your mind already drifted to like, okay, what's my next, what's right. my next step? What's my next move? Right. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. Once I said to myself, I'm not shooting, this is not, this is not a high quality shot. Um, it, it would, I would be threading what I call threading the needle. Right. Where, you know, I, I just, I, again, back to my dad, broadside, you shoot, you don't thread the needle, you respect the game. Um, so that's where he walked off. I snorted and wheezed. I did stop him. Well, when I stopped him, he didn't snap his head back. He didn't look. He literally stopped, flickered the tail, and off he went. I'm like, all right, he heard me. I'm going to let him go. I'm going to give him some time. Hopefully he gets away uh, from this area. Because uh, I wasn't sure, did he smell me walking in or not? And then I, then I hit the, the, the antlers. And it was a very short um, I'm very aggressive on the first pop and I kind of do a short one, uh, that I have in my, uh, on the footage there. And then I, I put them down and I heard, I, again, I heard twig snap. And then, and, and during this time, and this is how I typically hunt. So after that situation where the 12 pointer left, an eight pointer comes through and, and typically in my scenario has been, all right this one's dead because I just messed that one up, <laughs> but I let him walk. And, and I was like, you know, I'm, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna shoot him. But, but uh, yeah, so he, he came back around and, and uh, was able to uh, execute. Excellent. Excellent, man. Well, I want to hear your thoughts. Um, you know, maybe this would be a good point to kind of wrap it up on. Um, how patternable are you finding bucks to be? I mean, th- we're talking mid November, you know, a lot of guys may have just thought I've just got to get on, a good pinch point somewhere and just put in the time. I'm not going to try to put a bunch of effort into locating a specific yeah. animal, figure exactly out what he's doing, because who knows, man, a doe could take him anywhere. How patternable are you finding bucks at that time of year? Uh, that's, that's a good question. So when you think about it, so, you know, with my cameras in that, I'm my, my, my thought process is the doe. Right. So I'm, I'm looking where the does are. That's, that's where I'm thinking. That being said, on the pinch points, I'm also, I have cameras out to make sure um, I'm a pinch point guy, right? I'm a funnel guy. I will, I've been guilty to sit on a stand multiple days and a good exit and entrance where you're just pounding it and pounding and say, it's going to take off or it's, it's going to, it's going to, uh, you know, uh, execute. And, and it, it might not. Um, I think from a patterning perspective, it's tough. You've got a short window. That's why I was super aggressive. This guy gets my 12 pointer gets on a, uh, on a doe and he's gone. He starts to chase and that whole different, whole different ball game. And I think that's why I was very aggressive on just the, the camera getting him and executing right away. Like I didn't like, I didn't wait. I was in, I'm like, okay, here's where he's at. And I was basically following him because at that time, I mean, you know, it's a short window. Right. They, 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 they catch the right sniff, they're out of our life. And, and so that's, that's what we really need to execute and just put everything to our, uh, to our favor, um, whether it's a pinch point or that. Um, but, yeah, so, again, it, it goes back to it was the right scenario. And, you know, it was, it was, uh, it was a good hunt. But he could have easily got that doe, found her, and been out of my life. And, and you know, we, we wouldn't be here right now. I'd, yeah. I'd have been I would have been cursing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, man, I, I think that that it's, it's so important to understand. I mean, for you, it was, you've got to get there on the ground and understand what you're being dealt, like the hand that you're dealt. Now, right. thankfully you were dealt this hand of bucks that were still kind of in that, 
in that looking phase. You know, they're yeah. not necessarily chasing super hard yet or anything like that. They're they're on the prowl. And I, I have come to love that time of year because it seems like, you know, up until the 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 sort of everything breaks loose, um, I find a lot of really predictable movement of like every day or every other day, he's looping back through here and then he loops back through here and he loops back through here. And, you know, you can really, really target um, it because you can have confidence that all the bucks in that area are up on their feet, first of all. And then second of all, you can really kind of dial in like, okay, he really likes coming through here and I missed him today. He may come through here uh, again. Um, The property that, that we've both hunted before, I had one spot where uh, within like a, a nine day window, I had four encounters with a good eight point and he wow. was doing the same exact thing. Like time after time, after time, I'm talking time of day. Like I remember tr- climbing a tree stand one morning and I'm getting in a little bit late and I was like, that's all right. He's not going to be here until like nine thirty or 10 anyway. And nine forty five, here he comes walking down the trail. And I'm like, it, 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 the dude was like clockwork. But then just a few days later, it all broke loose. I never saw him again, right? Yeah. I mean, and then all of a sudden your cameras are just showing you bucks chasing does and, and everything's running wild. But it's like you have that little window where, you know, and and for me it's that, that mid to late morning, you know, 10, 11 o'clock. It just seems to be where you can really find them doing some pretty predictable uh, some pretty predictable stuff. So they're on, yeah, they're on the circuit, right. Or the, or the, the campaign, right. They're, right. they're, they're making their stops. They're, they're trying to figure out, you know, what, what does might be coming into heat and, and so on. And that's the piece of it. Right. But you're right. As soon as it's done and they're off, they're gone. Right. <laughs> Goodbye. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, man, let's talk just briefly, you know, what do you got on the docket for this fall? Um, well, so I've got, uh, Illinois, I'm picking up Illinois. Uh, I've got, uh, some public land that I scouted again in, uh, in March. Uh, I feel confident about it. I'm a little skeptical because of the, uh, the amount of ladder stands and the, uh, tree stands that were up there. I already talked to the biologist or talked to the, uh, the park director there on, on kind of what's going on there. Um, and so, and, and I'm, I'm doing Wisconsin, uh, not not in your area, buddy. But, oh uh, man, come on. Well, I might be right behind you. You never know. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I'm doing Wisconsin, and if everything goes well, I, I might shoot down to uh, Missouri. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm giving Nebraska a break, and uh, I'm, I'm I'm excited. I think so. One one thing we didn't talk about. I'm 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 a big e-bike guy. Yeah. At my age, right? And and it's not a. I'm I'm not hammering through the fields or anything like that but if you go to a parking lot and and if i can pop off shoot down the road you know you know a mile and then park it right off into the ditch and get in there it just gives me an upper hand so that that's the the big piece as well that i that i i really focus on i think missouri helps me um, Illinois talking to the director doesn't sound like they're going to make it legal to go on the on the farm roads which is fine uh, but, uh, and, and same thing, Wisconsin, but I think, you know, again, I'm, I'm 37 years upon, I've been there where, you know, miles Keller pendulum was my, my latest technology and innovation. So I'll, I take advantage of anything that's going to give me an upper hand. <laughs> yeah, for sure, man. I, I, uh, I had a chance to try an e-bike for a bit last summer and yeah. where I'm at here in Georgia, I've got a 30,000 acre piece of public down the street. 
And the gates stay locked during bow season. So having an e-bike is a huge advantage. I've yet to find one that is both high quality and in my price range. So I'm still waiting uh, on on that piece. But, man, they it, it changes the game. I had a buddy let me borrow one for setting cameras and stuff. And, and if I had had an e-bike, I think I could have had some really good hunting that year. But, you know, these are roads with a five- or six-mile they're a gate with a five or six mile road behind it. Well, right. nobody's going to walk that in time to get to their stand. You're not walking six miles in for a whitetail and turn right. around six miles back out that evening. That's not going to happen. And so, you know, I probably could have had some relatively high quality hunting. So I'm really looking forward to adding that to my arsenal, uh, hopefully soon, but we'll see. So, uh, anyways, man, thank you so much for coming on the show. Appreciate you telling the story. Why don't you let folks know where they can go watch the hunt that we've been talking about? Yeah, so you can go on uh, Stealth Bowhunter on, on uh, YouTube is, is my channel. I've got uh, I've got all my hunts, uh, my Nebraska Husker 12. I've got my Missouri hunt. And then uh, if you're into turkeys, I did a Royal Slam uh, this uh, past spring, and I've got all those hunts there as well. Awesome, man. Well, I'll link that in the show notes. So if you're listening to this, you're like, wait, I didn't catch it. That's all right. Just scroll up a little bit, and you'll find, uh, you'll find the link to that. So, Jake. Man, thank you so much for coming on the show. I appreciate it. Awesome. Thank you. And I wish everybody good luck this coming season. That's all for this week's episode. As always, thank you so much for tuning in. If you dig this show, be sure to subscribe to this podcast wherever it is that you get your podcasts. While you're at it, if you could leave me a five-star review, I would very much appreciate that. You can also follow along with my outdoor adventures on Instagram at the Wisconsin Sportsman or at How to Hunt Deer. That's also the best way to get a hold of me. Suggest topics, guests, or questions that you'd like me to explore on the show. Big thanks to our partners, Tacticam, Huntworth, and Onyx. Please go support the brands that support this show. And if you're looking for more great outdoor content, check out the sportsmansempire.com where you'll find my other podcast, the How to Hunt Deer podcast, as well as a ton of other awesome outdoor podcasts. And until next time, make sure you make the time to get outside and enjoy the incredible natural resources that are ours as Wisconsin sportsmen.